0: We're glad you can join us, and we hope God uses the following sermon to reveal more of His glory to you. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, here's what I want to do tonight. I want to I want to talk through a, really some stuff that is going to be so straightforward to you all that um, that it, you you may in the beginning think, "Well, why in the world am I am I here?" Uh, probably a lot of you are thinking, um, "I." I uh, the name of the, this, this, this time together is how to read the, how to read the Bible with your kids. And there's not a whole lot more that needs to be said than that, right? I mean, that, that's what you're here to do. So let me, let me teach you how. So there's not, not, not going to be anything earth shattering that you're thinking, wow, that was great. However, there is paper and pen on your table. If there is something earth shattering, you can take some notes. Um, I am going to walk through some stuff that may, may be helpful, uh, new to you. So it's there if you want it or need it. Um, or want to hold things against me, like calling you by your wife's name or anything like that, um, you can, you can write that down. Um, so here, here are my assumptions about why you're here. Uh, my assumptions about why you're here are, are a couple different categories that you may fit into. Let me just, um, tell you what I think, um, uh, are, are the categories of people, guys, who may be here. And it's this there are some who, um, don't read their Bibles at all. Okay, so that, that may be where you fit. Um, there are some who may read their Bible on their own, um, but don't read at all to their kids. So I get that as well. And by the way, let me, let me start by saying there may be some of you here who don't have kids. I know there are. There are some who are here who have grandkids and so on. So um, I get that. I, I'm just going to assume that the, the audience is those with kids in case that's... Um, so it doesn't get real confusing. So there's some who don't read their Bibles at all. There are some who, who may read their Bible on their own, but not to their kids. Um, there are some who um, read their Bibles and may occasionally read to their children. Um, and then um, there are there may be some who only read their Bibles when it's to their children. So that may be the case. That may be where you are. And then um, the other very real possible category, and I understand that this is true, Um is that there may be some who have no idea why they're here, but their wife signed them up to be here, right? Um, praise your wife for that. Th- thank her for that. It's, it's a great opportunity for you to be invested in the life of your family. So, um, I, But I also understand that that may be the case. So um, I, I'm not sure where you fit in, but I think it's safe to say that we all, uh, myself included, and those who have been doing this for a long time, um, would see a, an area... Areas of growth needed in this in this topic in the, in this area, and so my hope tonight is to be as as so, sort of foundational as we can and then get into some real practical stuff and and have some dialogue as well so again, probably nothing earth shattering just some good foundational truths that we all um, desperately need to be reminded of and so my, my hope is to be practical and at the same time um, I, my my hope is that we um, in some ways, are believing the gospel more, that that we may be miserable um, failures at being dads um, in this area, or maybe in general, maybe that's where we are, um, it, but, but that we're not accepted by God because of that, that we're accepted by God because of what Christ has already done for us. And so I, I could foresee us walking out of here feeling really, sort of beat down and feeling like, well, the guy beside me probably has his act together and I don't, and, and so I'm walking out of here feeling feeling that, and I just want to remind us again and again that we're accepted not because of what we're doing at home, but we're accepted uh, because of Christ, so we need to hear that. We need to remember that over and over and over, so here's what I'm going to do this evening. I'm going to answer, hopefully, answer three questions, okay, and, and here's what the questions are. Um, why is it important for me to read the Bible? Me, personally, why is it important for me to read the Bible? Secondly, why is it important for me to read the Bible with my kids? And, and then third, so where do I begin? right? And, and that's maybe why you're, you're here, that, that piece. Where do I begin? Okay. So that, that's what I hope to answer as we walk through some stuff tonight. Well, it'll be, I don't know, 40 minutes or so, and then let's have some dialogue and some questions. Uh, and, and we'll work through that together. Let me um, begin by praying for us, and then we'll, we'll jump right in, okay? God, I'm thankful that you have given us your word, a way that we can know you. Um, it's, uh, it, it's often something that we um, take for granted, that you've given us a way that we can know you. Sixty-six books, pages and pages and pages of ways that we can know you in different um, genres in poetry and in narrative and in 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 teaching and, and in long, um, long drawn out uh, sermons from, from different people. You've given us ways that we can know you in different genres to fit our different um, personalities and our different likes and dislikes. You've given us ways to know you through that. We take that for granted. And so tonight I pray that we would see why understanding... Um, who you are through your word is important, why um, seeing you more and more in your word is important to us personally, but then how that then trickles into how we interact with our families, especially our kids. God, give us um, eyes to see where we need to grow. God, I pray that we would not walk out of here thinking at all that we've got it figured out, um, or that someone else does and we're miserable failures, but that we would walk out of here thinking, believing, um, seeing the reality that we are accepted, we are adopted into a family, not because of what we're doing or have not yet done, but because of what Christ has already done. Help us to believe that. Um, and, I, and I pray that as we are here together as a group of men desiring Um, to grow in this, that you would be challenging us to grow and that you would be giving us the tools we need to to be growing. Give us courage to lead where we haven't led. Um, Give us uh, excitement and a desire to lead where we have not yet led. We need your help. Amen. Okay here's where we're going. Why is it important for me to read the Bible um, personally? Why is it important for you all, for me, for us, to be reading uh, the Bible? I, I could really spend all of our time, I think, working through that question, and, and then from that would flow where we're going with, with the other stuff. I think we could spend most of our time thinking through that. So if um, if you don't believe the Bible is important for you to be re- reading, I mean, this is the question that would come to mind, right? Why, if, the, if you don't think the Bible is important for you to be reading, why in the world would you think it would be important for you to be reading it to your children, right? And so we've got to start with some foundation of why we think the Bible is important for me personally to be reading, all right? So, so let's, uh, uh, let's answer that question, why is it important for me to be uh, reading the Bible? Don't check out. I think this is helpful for all of us. Even as I'm, I'm thinking through this in preparation for this, I'm, I'm challenged by some of the stuff that, that, I, that I'm, I'm processing. So um, I think first, why is it important for me to read the Bible? I think first, the Bible is the authoritative word of God. It is authoritative in, in its very essence of being the word of God. So if you call yourself a Christian, if you consider yourself a follower of God, the Bible is your authority because it's the very word of God. Right? It, that, it is the authority that God has given us. You you know some of these verses, but let me just read these so that we can hear the truth of Scripture. Second Timothy 3:16 and 17 says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work. So, do we believe that? Do we actually believe that and see that as a tr- truth personally? That that we we see that the word of God is the authoritative word of God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Do, do we actually believe that? Hey, Jay, there's a chair over here. Yeah. Um, maybe the newest dad among us, right? Uh-huh. I mean, he's been a dad, but he's got another one, right? Um, so I'm not trying to be harsh in in saying this, but I think, I think it's an arrogant man who does not want to be taught, corrected, and trained in the things of God if they say they're a follower of God. Does that make sense? I And again, I say that a lot to myself. I think it's an arrogant, sort of self-righteous man who says, I I don't need that. I don't need the authority of God's Word in my life. Now, I don't know that we would ever say that, but in the ways that we act do we show that we believe that. And so I I would say also it's a lazy man who leans on the church or leans on me to, to be the person who's reading the Word of God to them. All right. So if you're coming here on a Sunday morning for me to talk to you about the Word of God, and that's your only time in the Word, I think, I think that there's some laziness there. There's some um, maybe disbelief there that needs to be challenged. And so um, to answer the question again, why is it important for me to read the Word of God? It's a, the authoritative Word of God. And then secondly, the Bible is the living Word of God. It's living. It's not, it's not an old book that has nothing to do with our lives. It's an old book, but it's not an old book that has nothing to do with our lives. It's a living document. Romans 15, 4, Paul says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through the endurance and uh, through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So it's a, a living document that, that gives us hope. It gives us instruction, but also hope. Hope in the life that that God's given us to live. Hebrews four twelve says that the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing. Listen, listen to these words. This is the living word of God. It's piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the word of God itself is discerning the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. That's living. Right? That's not something that we read and shelve. That, that's a living document that God has breathed life into um, so that we can discern, so that it can discern the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. So think about that. The, the Word of God is is living because, why? Because we have the Spirit of God uh, working in our hearts. And so when we read, when we open our Bibles to read, God is at work revealing, uh revealing Himself, revealing truth to us uh, about Himself. All right, so Two broad answers to the question, why is the Bible important for me to read? And the Bible is authoritative and the Bible is living. Now, let's bring that in a a little bit closer to the reason why you all are are maybe here. And and the third answer to the question, why is the, the Bible important for me to read, is very practically this. Your children are watching you your your children are are watching what is going on so very practically they're they're watching and they're learning from you as you engage in reading the word of god they're sponges developing habits um as they watch you now most often we see the sponge like nature of them developing habits in negative ways right oh that's you, Kirsten, right? And we just see that that's our wives in them, the sin tendencies in them, right? Not at all. Um, but, but we see that, right? We see the habit-forming stuff in them, and, and that's usually a negative, like, oh, why do they do that? But they're they're watching all the time. They're watching us and and gleaning from from what we are doing. So let me do this to get some engagement here. Um, a, a show of hands, how many of you grew up going to church with your parents on a somewhat regular basis? Show of hands. Okay, yeah, look around. Look at this. So on a somewhat, re- that's not to, that's not to discredit anyone else, but on a regular basis, a lot of us went to church with, with uh, our parents. It's probably why you're here even this evening and, and still connected to a church in, in some way. You saw that habit. You saw that pattern in them. There was a, a study done several years ago um, that found that for children whose parents both attended church, that 33% of those children grew up and, and continued to attend church when both of their parents attended church. When only the mother attended church, that number dropped to three percent. Okay, when only the mother did. Now, here, here's the, the astounding thing to me: um, when when only the father, when only the father attended church, when when both parents were at home and, and only the father attended church the number of children who continued to attend church as adults was actually greater than 33%. So it actually went above what it was when both t- parents attended church. All right. So, so they're watching. You, you all have a very, very um, pointed role in your family. Your children are watching the things that you're doing. And not just the t- church attendance, but, but they see you as you sit and, and read. Now, um, I, again, I say all that to say our kids are watching. They're developing habits. They're, they're developing patterns. They're developing disciplines simply by watching you um, uh, putting those habits in front of them. So Kirsten and I have for years, let me, let me give you um, some uh, a framework here. We have five boys. Um, 13 is our oldest, five is our youngest, and then everything in between that, all right? So we have every couple of years, we have some kids, right? So um, that that's our our background. So we've been doing this for 13 years. That doesn't make us pros. That just makes us 13 years ignorant, right? So that's where we are. Um, we have over the years gotten up every morning as as often as we're able before our children. Okay, and, and we do that not because we love the mornings. One of us loves the mornings a lot less than I do. Um, um, but because we we want to spend time reading our bibles before our boys get up now we don't allow them to get out of their rooms this is a side parenting tip by the way don't allow your children to come out of their rooms until a certain time right that they don't give them free reign of the house you could get into a mess there but um at seven o'clock is when they can get out of their beds and out of their rooms okay now we're usually still reading our bibles at that point right and so as they come down what's the first thing they see they see us drinking coffee for sure right but they see us reading our Bibles. That's the pattern and the habit they've seen for 13 years, our oldest. The the pattern and the habit that they've seen. I, I bet if you ask our boys um, what, what's the first thing they, they see in the morning, it, it would be something like that. And, and I don't say that to my credit. I'm just giving you an example of the fact that our patterns and our habits are really influential in our lives. Um, this was often... Um, known in our house as I was growing up, too. My dad was often, um, my dad's here, so he, he can attest to this, um, or, or tell me that I'm wrong. Um, my, my dad was often at work when I got up, um, and so that he was out of the house, but, um, he read his Bible often in the evening. So I, I remember often where he'd sit down. He, he had this, the same case that he has on his Bible today that you would see him walking around here with, but, um, he would unzip his Bible and begin reading out of something, and we would get annoyed when he'd start reading aloud passages that we didn't really care about, right? And then he'd zip it back up and put it on the corner of the piano that we still have in our house today. And so that pattern, and I would see my mom when I would get up in the morning; she would be reading her Bible. And so there was a pattern and a habit that we saw in our uh, in our own homes that that went on to be an influence. So we shape our children, right? We shape them ju- even, not even by saying. Uh, reading the Bible is important, but just by them seeing what we are doing. And, And so my question for us is, do we really want them to remember about us that, whatever, fill in the blank, that we were always at work? Do we really want them to remember of us that they were always on their phones or that they were always pursuing their own hobbies? or that they were always watching some show whenever they came into the room, or that they were always doing house projects, and, and, and a lot of those things may not be bad, but but is that the kind of legacy that we want shaping our children to say regularly this is what they were doing, or do we want to say regularly I saw them reading the Word of God? So we, we are able to shape our children. So um, again, the word of God is authoritative. The word of God is living. Our reading the word of God is an example to our own children. And so, um, we, we take that seriously. We, we take that seriously, um, that we have God's word written to us. Okay. First question. Why, why is it important for me to read the Bible? Second question that I, I'd like to try to work through and, and hopefully answer is this. Why is it important for me to read the Bible with my kids? All right. The, the second question is, is that, and, and I want to put it um, in the way that I phrased it there with the emphasis of, of how I, I said it. Why is it important for me as a husband and a father to be reading with, not, not to, but with my children, with my kids? Now, is it important for the mom to read the Bible to the kids? Absolutely, that, that, that's in, important as well. But dads have the primary role of leading and shepherding their families. And I would say this, nothing against um, dads with daughters, but I would say especially dads who have sons, you have a, 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 the primary role of, of showing them what a godly husband and dad looks like so that they can grow up modeling that. And, and, and girls as well, but the mom has a, a much clearer role there. Um and, and so uh, I want to to say that uh, the answer to the question why is it important for me as a dad as a husband to be reading with my children not just to my children but with my children right I'm reading Harry Potter to my sons right now we're working through the 400 books or whatever it is I'm not into fiction and so I'm absolutely reading to my boys not with them like I'm reading and thinking about something absolutely different it's amazing what you can read and not even think about right and so I'm reading and doing voices and all of that and when I'm finished I close the book put the bookmark in it close the book and put it on the shelf and say go to bed that's me reading to them right? Um, and, and so I want to answer the question why do we read with our children there's a different engagement as we read with our children we'll get to that in a bit okay let me ask another question. How many of you had dads who read the Bible aloud to you regularly? Okay, a few, right? Three, four, five. We won't get back to dads here, by the way. We're not going to go and, and, and get on to dads. But the, the number's really small. And so we don't have a model, we don't really have a good model in front of us, do we, of, of uh, a legacy that is is built in front of us. And again, I'm not trying to diminish the role of our, the dads in our lives, but, but that, and, and a lot of guys, that's not the pattern that's been set. I, I would love to see that change among the 30 of us that are here. Wouldn't that be beautiful? That that there would be 30 families uh, of of children who could say, my dad reads the Bible with me regularly. It'd be a beautiful thing. Okay, so to set the stage, here's what I want to do to answer this question. Why is it important for me to read the Bible with my children? If you have a Bible or an app that has a a Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. So so Paul starts the discussion in 2 Timothy 3. With um, uh, with talk uh, about the opposition to God that is happening uh, among the people. So he's he's given Timothy some instruction about the opposition that's coming and that they are experiencing. And I and I would say we're not in that much different of a category today, right? We're we're still facing some of that same opposition, maybe in different ways than than what Timothy was seeing, but we're still seeing that opposition uh, to God. So I want us to look at what Paul says to Timothy starting in chapter 3, verse 10, okay? So he's talking about opposition, and then he says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now listen to this, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have, heard, what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it What humans, as you look at this passage, and as you know about Paul and Timothy, what humans have been an influence in Timothy's life? Yep. Okay, his mother and grandmother. We see that earlier in 1 Timothy chapter 1. He talks about his, uh, his grandmother and mother Lois and Eunice. All right, great mother and grandmother names. All right. All right, who else? Paul. Right? We, see a, we see a great influence in the life of Paul. Right, So we see that. Here's the second question. Um, what has been the curriculum used to shape Timothy? Come on. Okay, so all the ways that Paul's lived out. What else? Scriptures. scriptures, right? The sacred writings. And so we see that as the curriculum, a way of life and also the sacred writings. Here, here, you have to look at at the text here. What was the outcome of Timothy's being acquainted with the sacred writings? What was the outcome? What's that? Okay. What's that? Firm belief? Being made wise for salvation? Yeah. So, So the outcome of learning from the sacred writings was that he was made wise for salvation. And so so I want us to keep that passage in mind, the whole thing, 10 through 17, uh, mostly 14 through 17, as we work into the answer of why is it important for me as a dad, as a husband, as a father to be reading with my kids. Okay. So remember the study I quoted earlier, the father has a significant influence in the spiritual engagement of his children later in life when he pours into them as they are children so think about this if if the one who has been called by god to lead his family spiritually is not leading his family spiritually do you think that the kids are going to see much value in spiritual engagement later in life right I mean, that's the question I think we ought to be asking. If the one who's been called by God to do this is not doing it, do you think the outcome is going to be there, aside from God working in them and other people who have jumped into their lives? It probably, at least statistics would show, that that's not going to be the case. Now, we have stories that that's not the case, so we see that. But primarily, we're shaped by the habits of our parents. We're also shaped by the habits of our parents, Um, interaction in our lives as we're growing. So as your children grow older and you begin to have more and more of a relationship with them, because for those of you with young kids, you realize that most of your relationship, especially as dads with the youngest ones, is usually like just getting them out of the house so that the mom can breathe. That's your deep, deep relationship with your children, right? But that grows over time. That, that grows and you begin to have conversations about real things other than trucks and whatever girls talk about. Help me out here, guys. So, um, whatever they talk about, probably not trucks, but other things like that. Um, ho- hopefully, you've been offering from, from infancy, right, from the very beginning, some direction and correction and discipline and, and guidance to their lives, and, and, and I would ask, is that direction and correction and discipline coming from the wisdom of the, the Word of God? It, is it because of a regular reading through the Bible on your own and, and also with your children? Have you been, here, here's really where, where I want to go. Have you been taking or talking um, in, in points that, that direct and correct and discipline from the, the Word? Because that then begins to trickle down into and, and further into their lives. You have stories that in the Bible that that they can relate to and and process and and understand as you work through them, showing them that the Word of God has the kind of authority, the kind of authority that that it actually has, that we would be complete and that we would be equipped and that we would be ready for every good work that God's put in front of them. So so the the, the Word of God has has been a foundational rhythm in your life. And and I would ask this, or or say this, if if the Word of God has not been a foundational rhythm in your life um, with with your kids as they're younger, I would bet, and I would say from some experience, later in life, it begins to seem forced. That you're trying to now bring into their lives something that you haven't been talking to them about all along. and, And it seems forced and like an awkward conversation to try to bring God into their lives to help direct them in their teen years. Does that make sense? So, so beginning with that, so that that becomes the no- normal rhythm of your life, then it becomes natural in their teen years to, to continue to talk through that. Shaping them with the Word of God in the relationship you have with them now is a vital thing. So you as a dad have a, a regular part to play in reading the Word with them so that it becomes a natural piece of the conversation with them later. Okay? Um, this, I, I think, is one of, uh, of the greatest things about this entire answer to this question. Why is it important for me to read the Bible with my children? And, and it's this one, this is third. If the Bible is able to make us wise for the salvation through faith in Christ, and your desire is that your children would come to know Jesus, in not reading the Bible with them, you are depriving them of the very thing that that is able to make them wise for salvation that we have the word of life to give to our children that is able to make them wise for salvation. And in not reading the word of God to them, we're depriving them of the thing that is able to make them wise for salvation. A Bible-saturated home is opening the door then to further conversations about the gospel, which may then draw them in to to who God is and an understanding of their need. Does that make sense to that? That to me was profound as I was thinking through this, um, the, this this last week and then some today. So I think about the reading of, of the Word of God to my own boys. I often think, how can I get through this and help them have a discipline? How can I get through this and help them see something that I need them to know about who God is? But the idea that I'm reading to them and imparting life to them and reading to them something that's able to make them wise for salvation is profound to me. And then fourth, uh, the fourth way that I think we could answer this question, is some may say, well, my kids wouldn't understand what I'm reading to them. Right? If I sat down to read to them, some of you I know have young kids, they, they wouldn't know what I'm reading to them, so I'm just going to wait until they're older. How how well has that gone in any discipline for you? Right? I'm just going to wait till that's a ready time, right? It never goes well, right? I'm going to begin praying when my wife and I get married. I'm going to begin praying with her then, right? As we're dating, it's just fun, and we go to movies and stuff. When we get married, then we're going to have a great prayer life. How often does that kind of thing ever happen? And so the idea that we would wait until our children get older to begin reading to them because then we think they understand it, I think, is a false way of looking at things, that we've got to be doing that that first, and that brings me to why I would say this: the the with part of the answer. Why is it important for me to be reading with my uh, my children? And so I think first it ought to be said that that our children have much more of a capacity to hear, learn, and understand than we give them credit for, right? So when we think, well, they wouldn't understand now, um, and so I'm going to wait. I think we need to realize that 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 they have much more of a capacity than we give them credit uh, credit for. Paul says what to Timothy how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. From childhood from from way back when. And, and and I would I would agree with that. That that our kids are able to understand more than we give them credit for. Now will they get everything? They they absolutely will not and some of the stuff you don't want them to get. Right, you begin talking about incest, and you just want to keep moving, right? So you move over that stuff, or what, whatever it is. Leviticus, skip over till they're older, right? So, so I get that. I understand that they're not going to get everything, but but they're they're getting more than we give them credit for, and so we begin um, uh, doing as much as we know to do in the in the very beginning. They're capturing much of of what we're reading now. Often, as a church, if you're if you're a part of our church, often as a church, we hear the critique. And it's a fair one, I think. It's a good one. Um, that, that we, um, that we, we don't have children's ministry and my, my kids are just not getting anything out of the sermon. We, we've heard that. In fact, I, I believe that at times. Um, I, I believe that to be true at times. And if you've said that and we've had that conversation, this isn't about you, right? I'm just going to keep my eyes kind of up in the air. If this isn't about you, I, I believe that at, at times as well. Um, but I would say it's absolutely untrue that they're not getting anything, right? I don't know how many times I've come home after a Sunday and my boys will say, hey, when you said that, what were you getting at? Or when you said this, and my boys are not super spiritual, by the way, as pastor's children. Eric has said the same thing of his boys, that they've they've expressed something that that they've learned on a Sunday morning um, in their own homes, right? So they they hear it, they get it. It's it's sinking in. They get much more than what we give them credit for for getting. In the same way, when you read your Bible with them, when you read the Bible with them, they are getting something out of it. And here's what I mean with the, the with part. This is where the with comes in. Reading the Bible with them, not just to them, but but with them, requires you to slow down. It it requires you to engage them with questions. It requires you to read, pause, paraphrase what you just read, right? And continue on what is being said over and over and over. And I would say if you're reading the Bible to your three-year-old, they may not be getting anything out of it. If you're just reading to shut the book and go to bed, that they may not be getting anything out of it. But if you're reading your Bible with your three-year-old, I would I would bet that they're getting something out of it because you're probing with questions, you're asking if they if they understand, you're you're laying the 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 foundation of here's what was just talked about in this. And so I even thought about this with with our with our the Psalm we worked through on Sunday, Psalm twenty, um the, the verse some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord your God. Now with that they may walk away with God is better than horses. That's a win, right? That, that, that to me is something they learned, they gleaned, and that is a win. It gives you a talking point. And, and so I think to, to, to walk away and think they're not getting anything out of this is, is not, not giving them the credit they do. We have the authoritative living word of God that is able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ. And that is a powerful, powerful um, piece of our engagement as, as dads. And, and so we have a, a, an unbelievable opportunity as dads to to um, point our children to a loving Savior. Now, hopefully uh, um, we, we've at least walked through why is it important for me to read the Bible? Why is it important for me to read the Bible with my kids? We're going to move into practical now and, and then w- work through a couple things and, and be finished. But let me, let me ask this. Again, we're moving into practical. So you might have any questions about that stuff. I, I can imagine a lot of your questions would be about practical things, which we'll get to, but does anybody have any questions just about about those kinds of things? The tables are turned. Here we go. Dad asking son. Oh. Um unless you add some commentary the scriptures always correct. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's a different lesson. That's teenage years, by the way. That's teenage years. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think I think the thought often is that I have to be some Bible scholar to be walking through this with with our with my children and that's not that's not the case. To I think maybe some of the best answers you could give to your kids are, that's a really good question, I don't know. Let's look that up together. Let's, let's figure that out. That shows them that you are a student as well, right? That you are a student of the Word. Any other questions, comments from the peanut gallery? Uh, thank you. Enjoy your dad's root beer. Yeah, that's the only reason I did the peanuts was to do this right there. All right. All right, so here's the third question. Here's the third question, and, and we'll, um, we'll move into practical. Where do I begin? So how do I do this? How do I move in this? Now, I'm going to put a bunch of stuff in front of us that it's going to sound like I'm tooting our own horn, um, I'm not really. Um, I, there are holes and ga- gaping holes in the ways that we do things as a family, and, and I'll talk to you about some of those things. But um, I, I just want to put in in front of us that um, that that there are some practical steps that maybe you've never thought about that that could be helpful for you. So I want to walk through um, what we have done as a family, not as the pinnacle example, but it's a place to start for reference. All right. Um. Uh, um. A lot of people think that I'm at home daily delivering sermons to my children as they sit quietly, hands folded, Bibles open to the right place in different languages, and then we do an altar call and eight verses of just as I am and, and go from there. Um, that's in uh, untrue in, in so many ways. Um, and so the first, my, my first tip for us is this, and if you want to write these down, you, you can, lower your bar of expectation. L- bring it way low. And, and let, me, let me explain what I mean. I don't mean lower lower the authority of Scripture. I just mean lower your bar of expectation. Don't go into this thinking you're going to make a theologian in, in an evening or in a morning, whatever that is. So let me just tell you a little, let me give you a snapshot of our home life. And for those that major's been there when we've done this, my dad's been there, um this is really this really happened this was last week at, it was it was funny it was the day that i it was two weeks ago the day I sent out the announcement that we were doing this class. we sat down that evening to read together the Bible. um we have five boys again ranging from five to thirteen um and, and this is what happened I couldn't find Asher, our eleven year old and so I'm calling for him Asher, come on, you know losing my patience a little bit, trying to figure out where Asher is he knows. That, that we're going to sit down and do this. So I'm yelling for him, yelling for him. It, a few seconds later, I hear this little snicker, and I realize that he's under the couch that I'm sitting on, all right? So, so that's how it begins, right? That, that's how our evening be, begins. Then Ezra, our 13-year-old, was throwing a tennis ball against the wall and catching it, right? That, so that's what he is doing. Obed, our 9-year-old, was laying on the floor playing tug-of-war with one of our dogs. Uh, Uzziah, our five-year-old, had pinched his nostrils together and was sucking them in and making faces with his brothers. You know how you do that as a kid? And so that's what he was doing, making faces at, at his brothers. And Solomon, our seven-year-old, I had to interrupt him in the song that he was singing, and I'm, I'm not joking. These were the words: Shut up, shut up, you're a turd head, you're a turd head. So, so that was our entry point into our time together in reading the Bible. And so I say all that to say lower your bar of expectations. Don't go into this thinking that 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 you've got some like sit down, hands folded kind of deep devotional together. Now, um, did, did we try to get them settled down? Of course. And, and did it happen? Probably not. But here's our rule as a family. Our rule as a family is that if you're going to be distracted by something then put that away. And if you're doing something to distract someone else, we're going to ask you to stop. And, and so we, we hold up the authority of God's word and we, we say that it's important and we put that in front of them that, that they need to be listening and hearing. Now, if they want to lay on the floor, fine. I fought that battle for a long time. Kirsten finally said I had to stop. If you sit in your seats and you're, you lay on the floor in your classroom, sure you don't. Get up. You know, Kirsten said, hey, don't worry about it. Let them lay. So if they lie on the, lay on the floor, that's fine, um, as long as they're not distracting anyone else. If they want to hold a ball, fine, as long as they're not throwing it uh, against the wall. D- lowering the bar of expectations as we read together. Of more importance than a classroom setting, I I think uh, of more importance, uh, some Sunday morning sort of classroom church uh, uh, experience is the the constant and consistent rhythm of reading together. I think we often move into this and think it's got to look a certain way. And I would say of more importance than the look and feel of it is the consistent rhythm of reading together. And so I'd, I'd like to say lower your bar of expectations. Secondly, um, choose an age-appropriate Bible and/or passage uh, to, to read together, and, and I would say short, right? Depending on the age of your kids, right? Does anybody have any kids older than thirteen? Do you? Does anybody? Anyone? Okay, you do. Yes, thanks, Dad. Thank you, Dad. Um, all right. Um, so, so you've all got younger kids right? You, you've got younger kids in the house. I know you've got, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever. Um, um, many of you have young children. Some of you have infants, toddlers. So so I understand that, that um, this is um, a trial and error with a lot of them. Um, and again, I would say of more importance is the consistent rhythm of doing it, uh, of getting in there and doing it. And so I would suggest if you've got younger children to find a good children's story bible um and and there, there for every one good one there are 50 horrible ones that are 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 just flaming with heresy right and so be be careful in the stuff that you're choosing read it before there was one uh, uh, kirsten's grandmother gave us a bible and i was reading it once i'm like that's not e- that's not even in the bible like that that's not something that's in the Bible at all. That's not how that happened at all. And so, oh, I know what it was. It was about, yeah, never mind. I shouldn't say. Um, so here are, no, no, no. I can't, I can't. Um, well, okay, so I will. Uh, it was about, it was about this, it was about communion. It was a, it was a Bible and then it gave a little lesson to these two little kids who were walking through it together and haha ha, and it was good. But, but they started talking about communion and they began explaining one to another about what the elements were and it it got real crazy weird. Like it was when you take the bread, it's actually the, the body of Christ, but it's not, and it was these two kids having this conversation. I was just like, that's the end of the story, so let's pray and go to bed, and it was weird, so we got rid of that one. But anyway, here, choose a, a good story Bible if you've got young kids. Um, the, look at look at these. These are ours. Look at this thing. Okay, so we've read through this a uh, hundred times. If you're a part of our church and you have children, we'll give you this one. Not this one. You don't want this one, but we'll give you one like this that's actually not ripped to shreds. Um it's the Jesus Storybook Bible. Every story whispers his name. So it's all pointing to Jesus. That that's a great one. Um it, it's brought Kirsten and I to tears when we're when we're reading it together. It it's amazing. Um another one is this: the, the big picture story bible. This one walks from, from Adam showing, um, Adam in the story and how it points forward to Jesus. It's an awesome one. All right. I'll have these up here later. Um, they're shredded. This has become a new favorite for our boys. In fact, we had to buy two because they were fighting over it. Right. Um, and so they, they didn't read. They must have skipped over the, um, Cain and Abel story. But anyway, they were fighting over it. Um, one of them didn't murder the other one. But this is, um, this is a guy from, um, who used to, to draw for DC Comics. So it's, it's drawn in the same kind of way, and it's really, really accurate. I mean, it takes some liberties because it's jumping over stories, but it, it it's extremely accurate to the text. In fact, the ESV translation just released a study Bible with these, with, with this woven through it, with the images and, and some of that stuff woven through it. So this is a fantastic, uh, fantastic Bible. There's also an audio version. Our boys will listen to the audio as they're flipping through this uh, together. It, it's beautiful. So th- this is a great one as as well. So I would say um, begin with something that is age appropriate for your kids and read short sections of it. And and, and begin to, to, to show them that this is um, about God and, it, and it's pointing to God. If your kids are older, or as they get older, begin to choose something that has a lot of narrative. So you're able to to tell the stories, or maybe even reenact some of the stories. Um, get get into how you're reading. Um, uh, choose a gospel account or an Old Testament account with lots of of stories. Um, um, our boys are are older again, so I would say um, from about the time they were four, five, six, somewhere in there, we began reading from a full Bible, from a, a Bible without pictures in it. All right, so we began reading from that. Now I would recommend that you stick to one version. So they're beginning to get the rhythm of that translation in their, in their heads. As a church, we use the ESV. So maybe stick to something that they're going to hear consistently even on, on Sundays. Use something that they would, would understand and, and start with narrative. Start with stories that, that would capture their attention. I'm going to put out a plug here and ask you all to join me in this. Begin reading Exodus with your kids. Maybe in one of these, in this one, the stories are fascinating because you get to see a lot of the plagues, which are fun. Um, but be, begin begin reading Exodus with your children over the next weeks as we, we study Exodus together. Third, all right, so that, that uh, first, lower the bar. Uh, second, choose age-appropriate um, Bibles or uh, chunks of Scripture. And then third, choose a regular, this has been helpful for us, choose a regular time and a place for Bible reading. Uh, let me let me explain this. It, it, it's going to sound simple, but but I think it's really profound and it's helpful for our kids. Um, a regular time and a place for Bible reading is helpful in that they see you schedule everything else out in life. So they see that you have a, a very strict schedule. Like it, for, for months and months, we believed that we had to get our kids to bed at a certain time. So we would leave important engagements to get them home and do all that. Now we're just like, who cares? It's going to be fine. Um, they see you schedule that out. And so for you to, to be loosey-goosey about when you read Scripture, they see that as an inconsistency. They they do. They see that as something that doesn't seem like it's important. And so I, I would recommend choosing a specific time, a regular time, and a regular place for uh, uh, for a Bible reading. Um, again, a regular place, I think, is helpful in that it just brings some consistency to, to their lives. For a long time, we would... All pile onto our bed. And so we would read together, but as our family grew both in number and in size, that was not possible anymore, so we had to adapt. So um, let, let me just give you um, a picture of our regular rhythm. This isn't so that you would follow this, but this is a, a, our regular rhythm. Every night after we've eaten, um, our our younger boys now, um, our, our older boys are staying up later, but our younger boys will go shower, bathe, um, and, and then we all gather in our living room. So we all come back to our living room. Um, it, listen, it just so happens that everyone goes to bed at night, so that seems like a regular rhythm, right? And so that's when we do it. We gather in our living room, um, and we read still... Um, we read one of the storybook Bibles in the evening together. So we've built that in as a rhythm. Right now we're going through the Action Bible together, and here's what will often happen. Because of the pictures, they're engaging. I'll lay on the floor. Um, Usually Solomon will lay on my back, breathing over my shoulder. Uzziah looks at the pictures upside down. I don't know why little kids like looking at it upside down, but that's what he does. Uh, ezra 13, so he's sitting, he's not really, he doesn't really care about the pictures. Asher tries to be cool like Ezra, but usually he sort of floats in and starts looking at the pictures, and Obed's playing with the dog. So that's how we, we gather together, and so that's one of our regular rhythms. That happens every evening, every evening together. In the mornings, um, at, at breakfast, it just so happens that the boys eat breakfast every morning, and so that seems to be a good regular rhythm for us. In the mornings, we sit at the table and we read from the full Bible. All right, so from from the full Bible. Right now, we're reading through the book of Exodus together as a family. Um, uh, someone usually spills something, and someone usually gets up to get something more to eat, right? So that's happening even as we're reading. So in the day... Um, we're reading a full version Bible, the full Bible with no pictures, and then also a story Bible. So we're doing that daily. Now, a lot of you are probably thinking, how in the world do you have time for that? That's crazy. We can't do that. And and I get that, um, that that you have to be at work at at certain times. There are many days where I'm out the door before my kids are even awake. Okay, So I, I get that it's not always going to happen twice a day, maybe not even once a day. Give yourself some grace, but but then Kirsten picks up and she reads in the morning to the boys as they sit around the table. All right, um, the, there are times when I want to get out the door earlier than it's possible because I want to sit and read with them, and so I, I want to. I feel that like nudge of man, I really need to get away and get some work done. And here's probably what you all are feeling as well: is that's the lot of commitment. That's a lot of time, and, and that's a lot of commitment. And I would say it absolutely is. It, it absolutely is. And, and to see it with the kind of weight that it holds might be a lasting impression on your children that you would want to consider. Um, and, and I don't mean quit your job so you can stay home and read the Bible. But but what's an extra five minutes if that's what it takes, or or whatever? It it is a commitment. That we see the word of God and value the word of God. That that it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That's a great value, isn't it, man? And and so to to put that in front of our children, choosing a regular time and and a place. Okay, fourth. I only have two more. Okay, three more, sorry. Fourth, think of age-appropriate questions to ask. This is the reading your Bible with your children piece. Think of age-appropriate questions to ask. So as you read, think of those questions to ask your kids of various ages. So you, if you have uh, multiple uh, children of various ages, um, let, let's say you're beginning to read through the book of Exodus. you ask your and, and you're in the very beginning of the book, right? So you're getting the Moses story and how he was born and put in, in the basket and, and floated down the river. So you ask your younger kids, after you read that, you ask your younger kids, what was the baby's name? one-word questions that engages them into the reading, right? They love that kind of stuff where they're able to answer. And if you've got older kids, you ask them open-ended questions. And so you begin to, to, to pull at their minds a little bit and, and maybe ask a question of how would you have felt if you were forced to put your baby brother in a basket, right? And some of them are like, yeah, let's do it, right? So they're, they're wanting that. But, but it's beginning to, to like engage their minds in what was actually going on in the text. Or maybe what do you think Moses' mother was thinking as she had to do that? And so you're drawing out from them things that they have to start thinking about what's being read here. Does that make sense? So it's not a one word, like what was the baby's name, Moses? Or Jesus is really what they always answer. But, but you ask them questions that, that are, are, are open ended. That is the reading the Bible with your children. You're engaging them with the reading. You're not just reading to them. You're, you're, you're not just reading to them, closing the book and then saying, well, now go to bed, but you're engaging with them. You're reading with them and engaging their mind. Questions are huge. They're significant as we're reading together. I would see, I would even say this, that after our times on, on Sunday mornings, um, you all asking questions of your children about what was going on in in either what they learned back here in children's ministry or what they heard in here on Sunday. That that's an an active listening and you reading with or, or working with your children through Scripture. Here's my plan. I I, I hesitate to do this um because I don't want to follow through on something that I, I'm putting out there in front of you. But my plan as we work through the Book of Exodus is to weekly get questions to the parents that they can be asking their children as they're reading through together. So that's my plan as we head into a new series. I don't know how I'll get that out yet. Cassie and I are working on how to get those out to parents. But my, my plan is to get questions so that we can be asking our, our children questions to engage them as we go. Okay. Fifth, um, connect each reading with Jesus. Um, our faith, as Paul says in Second or Second uh, Timothy three, the passage we've been reading, our faith is in Christ, and so we work as diligently as we know how to connect each reading to Jesus. Now that takes work, doesn't it? That takes a lot of work. Not if you're reading about Jesus in the Gospels, it doesn't. Right, he's there, but it, it takes work if you're reading. But it's 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 extremely important to point our children to something. Uh, the The narrative of scripture the whole the arc uh, of scripture that 's all pointing to Jesus, if you have no clue how to do that, um pick this book up and read it it will It will show you ways to this old testament it, it will point you to that and, and show you how how to do that um, now you, you may think well that 's impossible for some books uh, it 's not I think we can point it all to Jesus. It's it's a, hard, a difficult exercise at times, but I think it's a beautiful thing to do. So let's do it right now. Somebody throw out um, a passage, um, an obscure passage in the Old Testament that, that would be really difficult to point to Jesus. So all right. Oh. <laughs> there we go. Uh, JL, is that her name? Yeah? Okay. Anyone? Proverbs... Proverbs. She was industrious. There it is. A woman after God's own heart. How, how, seriously, let's, let's think about this. So you've just read Judges, in Judges, which if you're reading Judges with your children, fantastic, right? You've just read Judges, and you read this passage. Um, how do you connect that to Jesus? Okay, Sin. So let's keep talking. So there's sin here. That's The whole book of Judges is a book that's showing us that we're wrecked with sin. Right? Each person chased after their own heart. What? Yeah, they chose their own way. Even here in this story, we see that over and over and over. What do these people need? They need a Savior. Who is that Savior? Who do we know now is that Savior? That's Jesus. Right? And so we point it more and more and more. All right, name another one. Name an obscure New Testament passage. What? For Baptism for the dead? All right, where's that? One of the Peter? Yeah, it is in Peter. All right, let's name another one. <laughs> <laughs> any any older New Testament? Nick, or? In Acts? Yeah. All right. Again, I mean, we can always go to sin, right, Jay? He's a sinner, he needs Jesus, right? <laughs> but here's what we're tempted to do with this. We're tempted to say, so don't lie, right? But, but is, that the, is that the point of that story? The point of the story, I mean, one of the points of the story is, here's a person who wanted more of his own way and his own identity wrapped up in something and it wasn't found in Jesus alone. And, and then you ask questions. How do you do that on a daily basis? How do I do that? Right? How, how do we do that on a day? So, so we're able to point more and more to Jesus. I would say that's, that's, that's critical in our, in our reading. It ties everything back to tie everything back to Jesus. Six, this is final. Um, let what you read on a regular basis Guide your prayer. So in some way, as you end your time in prayer, um, allow what you read to become a part of also what you're praying. So you begin, start start by asking your kids, uh, based on what we've just read, how can we now pray today? Okay? Uh, uh, In the mornings, this is a perfect time for us. Our boys are heading off to school. I'm heading off to work. We've just read through something, and I'll ask the question, based on what we've just read, what are some ways you think you're going to need God to help you today? And it gets them engaged. And if they don't say something, I'm able, as their dad, and and I know their hearts at least a little bit, to say, Asher, I think this is something that I've seen you struggle with, and you may struggle with that today. Ezra, here's an area where I feel like you excel, but that excellence in that is going to cause you to have an identity in that. And so you need to know that Jesus is that for you. And so we begin to pray through what we've just read together as a family. Now listen that takes time for you guys to get there. It takes time for us to get there, right? It takes time for us to understand how we begin praying for that. But it's it's crucial to tie what we're reading to how it actually affects and impacts our day and our life and our hearts as we move on, okay? Those are, are the six sort of tips or helpful things that we've experienced as a family. Um, what, what questions do you all have? Uh, About any of that, or about how we've done things, or about how others have done things? What questions do you have? Yep. Yeah, at night, I mean, I'll I'll be honest. Some of these are a lot longer than I have the patience for at the end of a day. I mean, at the end of our day, Kirsten and I are thinking, how can we get these kids to bed and we can be alone? And so there are a lot of them that, that will take a, a while. But by a while, I mean like six minutes. You know? I mean, they're not long. And, um, so what we do is we read through a, a, a section of this in the evenings, and then we pray together. We, we ask, how do you want to thank God? And we just list those. We write them out, and we thank God together. I mean, the whole, thing, the whole process takes ten minutes, sometimes five. I mean, some of them are short, you know? I, I, that's what I'm getting at with lower your bar of expectation. This does the regular rhythm is more important, I think, than the the stuff. The stuff is important. It's, a, it's the authoritative word of God, right? I'm, I'm not trying to chuck chuck that out, but it's the regular rhythm of of being in the Word. It's good. Yeah, Luke. Um, so, or you this, yeah. Yeah, I mean our bo- the question was what do you talk about when you get to sections in Exodus where you can't really choose if you're reading through the whole book and you can't really choose, oh wait, I didn't I just read that and I shouldn't have or now I've got to answer questions. Some of it takes preparation. I mean some there've been a Kirsten always I'll get a text from Kirsten at work and she'll say um we we'll be reading through a book and she we were reading through forget what it was, but she said, thanks for leaving me with the passage about um, David's family and how they slept with their sisters. Like, thanks for that. And so now the boys are asking, like, is that right? Like, <laughs> like yeah, you deal with that. Um, so I, I, think, I think that takes some work on your part to look, at least look at the headings um, and do some paraphrasing. At the same time, I want to be careful how I say this. Our kids are entering a world that is messed up. And for us to be entering that with them as we read the brutal stuff of Scripture, pointing to the sin of the people, our own sin, and our collective need for a Savior, I think is, is a right and appropriate place to introduce them to that. Um, now, your kids are, what, two and <laughs> six months? So maybe not now, but... I mean, I think I think it's an appropriate time to begin thinking about introducing them into those hard things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He would run with that. Hopefully not. Um, oh, I see. Yeah. Well, I, we have so we we have addressed those things where we've said uh, like even when we worked through the Cain and Abel passage, we talked about how. Um, he sinned against his brother in ways that were that you couldn't go back on, you know. And, and mention those things that that are age appropriate. You know, he sinned in ways uh, against uh, ways that God would have him in ways that he could not go back on. You know, so it's good. When did you start with boys reading? Yeah, we began reading. So Ezra, we began reading when he was. That was our rhythm, uh, even as an infant. We were reading to him. And, I mean, no comprehension, um, but it got the rhythm going. I mean, we gave him a bath, put him in his onesie that snapped at the top, like they, you know, and, and, and read to him. And then as they got older, and there, there were times when he would remind us. You know, if we're late and we're trying to get him in bed, he, he would throw a fit if we didn't sit down and read, because it was just such a part of his rhythm. And so I would I w- my recommendation would be to start in infancy. Yeah. Do you do that every night no no. No, we don't. Um we do some sort of we end we end our evenings in prayer no matter what time it is. Um there are times if it's way too late, we'll we'll pray and get the boys in bed. Um but but I think even that needs to be challenged. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's communicating something, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's communicating something to them. Yeah. That's a good challenge. Yeah. Yep. Or another disruption, um, you have guests at your house? Yeah. What do you what do? You do with yeah. it? I guess I kind of got the idea from the first question. Yeah. So if we're out late, we'll often pray together when we get home. We do that still as a family, though. So I, it's never like, hey, tuck you in. God is great. God is good. Amen. You know, we would do that as a family. So we gather together as a family. And it's... Yeah, usually as we're putting the younger ones down, I'll say, hey, Ezra and Asher, Obed, come in here. Let's pray together real quick before they go to bed. So we'll do that. Now, when we have people over, I mean, major, major, my parents, we do, we invite the the people who are over into that. We've done it with people who, are, who know us. We do it with, we've done it with neighbors who are, who are not Christians. And we just say, hey, hopefully this isn't strange, but every night before our younger ones go to bed, we'll sit down and we read the Bible together. Or often what we'll do is we'll say, hey, let's, let's pray. We're going to pray together as a family. We do this every night. So hopefully this isn't awkward, but we're just going to pray real quick. And we'll even ask, we have a book that we write down, hey, what are you thankful for? We'll even ask our neighbors who are with us who aren't believers, what, what's, what's been good today in your life? And we'll write it down. So there, we invite them in to be a part of that. Yeah, it, it, it can get interesting. <laughs> But Major, Major's been over there multiple times with us as we've done that. Maybe some of you have been as well, but we've done that. I've got a question. The family prayer. What does that look like? Yeah. So you mentioned that people are saying things about the um, good for that day. Or yeah. Yep. Is this that a time where one person prays? Yeah, yeah that's, each pray? yeah, that's good. Yeah. So for us, and we're, changing, we're beginning to... Th- Think about this differently, but for us, I I will always pray. I'm the one who prays. Um, here's what we do. So I have a We have a book. It's a journal, and I just go. I write everybody's name down, and I go around and I say, "What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for?" That that God has done today. Often they're like, "My birthday is tomorrow," and I'm like, "But that's tomorrow. What are you thankful for today?" Right? And so we work through we work through that today. Then we add to that. We have um, we pray for a neighbor a day. And we pray for a missionary that we have some interaction with a day. And now we we support a compassion child. So we pray for that child by name. Now, as our boys are entering soccer again, the soccer season, we will often pray for teammates. Um, We have each of them select a teammate that we want to pray for. And then we pray for families that we know of their teammates. But I do that. I pray. Now we're beginning to rethink what we've done is we've trained our boys to not know how to pray aloud. And we see that now. I mean, I should have had this class a long time ago and somebody should have told me that. But what we've done is we've trained our boys to let me know how I can pray. And we haven't invited them in to pray. Now, they pray before our meals, we ask them, and mostly it's, God, thanks for food, amen. But we haven't trained them well to pray. And so um, I, that's something we're, we're trying to figure out how to change. Yeah, good question. Yeah, Adam. Yeah, we tell them they can't. So here the rule we've we've made is you can't say something that somebody else has already said. So if we had pizza for dinner, everybody's thankful for pizza. So we say, well, Ezra already said that. What else? So we do that. And we also call it on. Nope, that's what you said last night. So we do that. That's it. Yeah, great. God, God gave us pizza. That's amazing. I mean, who, who's not going to thank God for pizza? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, we skipped that. Yeah, that that's just something we. What, yeah, that's right. I'll come over and and I'll babysit. All you don't want that at all. Have you seen our boys? Um, yeah, we just skip it. I mean, majors maybe majors one of our only caretakers. Our parents are now. Um and oh, you have. Well, there you go. There's the answer. Yeah, and they also watch crazy YouTube videos and put GoPros on my dog and stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a major red song, a song with him. <laughs> hey, boys, come here. <laughs> That's right. Let me tell you what the gazelle really is. Uh, all right. Other, other questions? Yeah. <laughs> Who? Oh, your daughter. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, man, I don't, I don't know. I'm okay with silence. I mean, I've done the, hey, that, Oh, so the question was, how do you get them to engage if they just, their answer is, I don't know. Uh, then you probe more. Yeah, you probe a little bit more. Well, come on, you do, you do know this. Let, let's think through this. And then you, you push with different questions that get them to the end. An- Ezra, he's, he may be not like me saying this, but I'll tell you this if it doesn't go anywhere. Um, he is the kid who says Jesus for every answer. And it drives me crazy because he's a sharp kid. But I'll ask questions that are like elaborate answers, and he'll say, I don't know, uh, because of Jesus? Like, that doesn't even make sense to the question I asked. And so, because he's old enough, I'll push it. I'm like, Ezra, you're not listening. You know, but he's 13, so you know. So I think you you push them. I mean, you don't want to push them away from what you're doing, but you push them to to engage. Uh, and I'll I'll tell you this. So as as our kids are getting older, 13 and 11 and nine, we're asking them now every night. At, so we do this what we just talked through. But and then every night, the first thing they do when they get into their beds. They have Kindles that they read on, but, and they all have the ESV app on their Kindle. Um, and we ask them to spend the first five minutes before they get into the book that they read, reading something in scripture. And right now they're all reading through Exodus. And so we're now transitioning from us being the only readers uh, of them engaging and reading on their own as well. So if you have had questions there, I forgot about that. What other questions? I want, I want to be careful with your time. Five, five more minutes. Any other thoughts, questions? Yeah, I don't know. You you got to know your kids. Um, I would say, I I don't know. Maybe when they're able to begin reading longer you know, books other than cat, dog, that kind of, I mean, when they're sitting down reading a short chapter book, they're able to comprehend half a chapter in Genesis or whatever, you know, what is that? Five, six, somewhere in there. I don't know when that is something I should know (laughs) this, right? (laughs) Whenever they read, I don't know. Thirteen. Yeah. Eric. Yeah. So we used to do that. We haven't done that in a while, but we used to do that in the mornings at the table as well. And so we just had a ring, uh, a binder, and we would just flip through. And what we did was we, we would choose a chapter. So we memorized much of Ephesians 2 together. And that, by the way, is unreal. The kids, they will outpace you in memorization quickly. I mean, they will, they will memorize way ahead of you. I mean, I'm reading the cards and they're doing it. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know these. I should memorize too. So, uh, we, we we haven't done that in a while, but we will choose chunks and just have them on cards and flip them and just keep going. It's beautiful. Yeah. Ryan? So, I've got another schedule disruption question. Like <laughs> I work in science and math, so I like to order. Yeah. But, um, if, if one of this, like my wife isn't there, or vice versa, if I have one of my daughters and we're at soccer practice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Would I like, yeah, that's your, good. Your that I met, are those are good. I mean, that. so I can tell you what we've done. And we, um, you know, we have five. And so we kind of do a majority rule. You know, if we have three at home and two are at soccer practice, we'll sit down and do it with those three. You know, and, and then when the other two get home, we'll pray with them. If it's late, you know, we'll pray with them before they go to bed. Um, we work as much as we can, though, to be scheduled in such a way that we're able to do that together. So even with I mean, we have all five of our boys are playing soccer right now and have practices throughout the week. Um, Usually those are finished by 7-ish and home by 7.30. And so on those nights, we're a little bit later, but we, we carry on. On the extreme circumstances, though, we do... We'll we'll just do majority. Like okay, we're gonna sit and read together with this group. So those are those are hard. I mean, you just gotta you gotta find a rhythm and and go for what seems best. Other thoughts, questions? I want to pray. I want to pray for us um, and and give us kind of a um, a, an encouragement and a challenge. I mean, look look around this room. There are I think thirty. Guys, in here, and here's what I think this does. Maybe you walk home with no, or drive home. Maybe you go home with no earth-shattering instruction about how to move forward, but you've got 29 other guys in this room who are at least interested in this topic, and so you've got the ability now to engage and interact and say, "Hey, how's that going for you? Hey, we were at that that thing together. How, How? What are you doing? How's that going?" We've got some encouragement here in this room with one another to be moving in the right direction. I think it'd be beautiful. We're, we're a transient city and 27 of you won't be here in two months because you're gonna move somewhere else, right? But but wouldn't it be beautiful if all of our children grew up knowing, learning, understanding the word of God together and we're growing and sharpening one another? I mean, what a beautiful thing it would be if if we're moving in, in that direction. And so I want to I want to keep pushing and challenging us to be growing in this um, and, and to be lowering the bar and moving forward when we can. Um, l- look around at this room and see the guys who are on your team. They're, they're with you in this and through this, okay? Let's pray. Oh, hey, by the way, um, I've got a, a book up here for you guys um, and take one before you leave um, it it walks through this this thing. It's a really practical book, um, hundred pages. Um, I, I bought one for everybody um, and then some. So grab one on your way out. There, there's your gift. All right. Let me pray. God, thanks for a, an evening together to think through these things. These things aren't complex, but they may be things that we've not thought about before and not seen modeled. And so I I pray God that as we've been challenged and as we've been pushed and as we've been um, our eyes have been opened to see some areas may, where maybe we've been lazy or negligent. God, I pray that you would give us a passion to know you in your word. Give us individually a passion to know you in reading your words so that that then flows over into how we interact with, disciple, care for, shepherd our own children. I pray that we would see clearly and take seriously the fact that, that that Your Word is able to make one wise for salvation. Your Word is able to pierce our hearts and, and show the, the weaknesses we have and our need for a Savior. And it's able to do that for our children as well with the work of the Spirit. So I pray that we wouldn't walk away from here seeing this as just another thing we have to do, but it's a beautiful um, endeavor that we get to join into with our families to point them all the more to their need for jesus which we have as well to help us in that give us courage god I, i'm sure many of these guys are going back home to to wives who are strong leaders and who may um may who may then um, feel a, a lack of courage as they go back home to lead well because they haven't led well uh, I know I have felt that at times where I haven't led well. I feel um, I feel a tension of not wanting to jump in. And so I pray that you would give us courage to lead well, to move toward pointing our children more and more to Jesus, who is our Savior, the author and perfecter of our faith. In his name we pray. Amen.